we want to welcome you to uh, the Awakening Moments podcast, live video podcast Woo! coming to you today um, as we get ready to begin another month in Heartstrong. And so um, we want to start this podcast just by highlighting what our focus is going to be for the month of September. Um, our focus is a disciplined disciple. So this year in Heartstrong, we've been going on a journey together and we've been going through all kinds of ways that we want to allow discipline to help us become disciples. Ending with this month, with the focus of all of it, really the reason for all of it is that we want to become disciplined disciples of Jesus. As Heartstrong disciples of Jesus, we're called to abide in Christ, follow in his values and practice his ways. Being a disciple is not just actions and behavior that we do, but allowing God to transform our being from the inside out. We don't just simply want to do discipleship by behavior only. We want to become disciplined disciples over the course of our entire lives. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to the truth of your word and that the truth of your word may set us free in every area of our lives. And so together we wanna to abide in the truth and in the identity that we are completely dependent on God. We wanna follow Jesus's ways through humble servanthood and we wanna practice embracing intimacy, transformation and emotional health. Our scripture uh, for this month is an awesome one found in John 8, 28 to 32. And it says this, so Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And he who sent me is with me and he has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen, Rhonda. Amen. We love that. So good. So for today's conversation, we thought we'd dive into something kind of interesting. Again, we're, we're wanting to become disciplined disciples of Jesus. And there are areas of both like subtlety and aggressive ways that the enemy kind of entraps us into the very opposite of being disciplined disciples of Jesus. And so we want to talk today a little bit about um, grumbling and complaining, something we saw the children of Israel do all throughout their 40 years uh, in the desert. They're wandering in the desert and criticism and a critical heart and a critical spirit. And we want to talk a little bit about that and how that creeps into our life and um, how it actually robs our ability to walk out the calling of what Jesus has over our lives. So let's dive into this conversation today. This is a powerful one because it is subtle. And I want to just say, it's really important to express emotion. So I, I think this is really important to say. It's not spiritualizing every single conversation that you have that when you're struggling with something or something has happened but when something moves from i am feeling this way that i need to let out i need to surrender in a safe place for someone for me to be able to share a frustration or a hurt or a pain it's different when that moves from i'm expressing something to now i'm critical and that is a movement. There's an actually progression. Like even in sin, you see where things start and where sin will take you. Like you don't start somewhere 
because you think you're going to go there. No, but there is a progression of where something will take you just in the opposite sense. There is a progression of where God will take you when you choose to obey, when you choose to say yes to that thing that might seem insignificant, God sees every step of where he's taking you and how he's forming you to be more like his son. And this is part, a critical spirit is a spirit. Like we just want to be really clear. A critical spirit is a spirit. Emotion is emotion. It's neutral. If I'm upset about something, I'm upset about something. I have to be able to express that emotion. It's when that emotion starts to line up and make an agreement with the kingdom. And we've talked about this. There's a kingdom of God and a kingdom of Satan. And our emotions are neutral, but what we do with those emotions and how we allow them to control us by what we see, what we say, how we say things, and the spirit, it will show us what kingdom we are making an agreement with. And so in a, a critical spirit is not of the kingdom of God. And I love that we said it's a critical spirit because we war not against flesh and blood. It is against the kingdom. There's principalities, but they are literally warring and contending to have spaces and places in our lives. However, we are prone to that kingdom. We want that. Is that true, Lori? It feels so much easier to be critical than to be thankful and positive. It is so much easier. It is literally an opposite spirit contending to choose to walk in the opposite way when I feel I want to be critical. And listen, I am, I am not guilt-free here. I just want to be honest. It is really easy to be critical. It is really easy to allow frustrations or things that have bothered me to move to the next level, to be critical. And that is really important. I think even to emphasize that it's not, we're not talking about emotion of being frustrated. We're talking about when it moves to a progression of being critical. Yeah. And it's a sin. Critic being critical is a sin. You got to call it out. I love that you just called it out. You called it straight out. It's so, so true. You know, I, I was, while you were talking, I was thinking about like, just from a pra completely practical place. And I know probably, you know, anybody can relate to these types of things, but you know, like when your kids come home or whatever, they open up the fridge and like, there's nothing to eat in here. How come you never, and they start and the complaining starts and you're like, are you serious? Like I pay the mortgage, I pay all the bills, I buy all the groceries and you're going to sit here in the kitchen right now and you're going to complain about, and like, it's funny because we can feel this, right? And we can feel this, like this righteous anger kind of rises up because their perspective is so skewed. But again, this is what the children of Israel walked again and again and again and again and again, like God, God told them exactly what he wanted them to do. He gave them exactly how they wanted, he wanted them to do it. And they didn't trust him again and again and again, even though he came through for them again and again and again and again. And like, often we think of grumbling and complaining as like, not really that big of a deal. Like I, if I try to think about how often in a day do I, complain about something? Do I just kind of state my own frustration or my own disappointment or my own, I wish something was another way. Like, like it weaves into every fiber of our lives in so many ways that I don't even think we're conscious of it. I don't even think we're aware of how much grumbling and complaining comes in. And I so love that you just called it out as a critical spirit because like, again, 
I love how James describes sort of the progression of sin in our life, right? It begins with temptation. It begins with like an invitation to Mm, enter in to a space. Now that's not the sin space yet. Right. And that's, I think what you're saying, hard things happen to us every day challenges. There's stresses on our lives. There's pressure on our lives. There's things that are going on and we have to find healthy ways to be able to express those things. So this is not what we're talking about, but within all of that, and anytime that pain or brokenness is kind of in our coming into our circle, whether happening to us around us, it's going to be an invitation for us to enter into not just the expression of how this makes me feel. And then what does God want me to do with that? But an actual, like whether it's pride, an entitlement, a complaining about, a cr- being critical about, how dare they, they should not have, they should know better, da, da, da. Like th- this is the invitation. And and James describes this progression as like giving birth, right? So like there's something that begins inside of us and then it gives birth to sin and gives birth to death, ultimately death. And complaining honestly is no different than any other invitation into this progression of where a critical spirit wants to grab a hold of our heart and breed resentment and breed bitterness and literally be like um, a prison, a prison for us to be able to not see what God is doing in the midst of anything that we're going through every single day. And the children of Israel found themselves again and again, going around this mountain and it costs them greatly. And I wonder Rhonda, how much what is the price we're actually paying? What wow, is the price really we're actually paying like mm-hmm. in our lives mm-hmm. for allowing complaining and grumbling and, um, and then turning into a critical spirit to become a part of who we are. What, what's the price we're paying? I don't even know if we know it, but we are, we're paying a price. There's a promise. There's a provision. There's something that God has for us on the other side of that, that we're not walking in if we're walking in a critical spirit. So yeah, I just love that you just like called that straight out. <laughs> well, that's exactly because it really is. God talks about that in his scripture. And I love that, you know, I have read so many stories of the children of Israel. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, would you just like get it together already? Like, how could you have not seen this? And then you realize, oh my goodness, I am a child like Israel. <laughs> like I, I am the children of Israel. <laughs> I am no different, but reading, it's like, come on, even there, you're like, get it together. Did you see this? But I do the same thing, but that's exactly like, we know it is a, a spirit because the enemy has come to rob, steal and destroy, but Jesus, God, Jesus came to give us life and to give it abundantly. And a critical spirit robs, it robs joy. It robs destiny. It robs so much of the provisions of heaven because that spirit has made an agreement to a different kingdom that is meant to rob and destroy. So nothing good will come from a critical spirit, nothing good. And we can even justify and be like, Oh, you know, it's just some healthy feedback. Now there, I'm not saying there's not time to make things better. That's really, but it all comes from the heart because I could be saying something that I can make sound so nice and so beautiful. Be like, listen, I just want to come alongside. I don't have to say it in a mean way. But my heart could be like, I don't like this. And I'm actually going to call this out. But man, I can sugarcoat it. I can wow. dress it up pretty, pretty. But really, it is a critical spirit because it's in the heart. It, Like we we're talking about James, it starts within us and it flows from the mouth. 
but it starts here. And guess what? We are born into sin. And that's why Jesus continually says, like he's all through the all through the epistle letters and Jesus even talking about the cost, but through the letters in the New Testament, it's like crucify your flesh. It's not saying, oh, you know, just deal with it. No, kill it burn it, get rid of it. Because we actually, yeah. it. we literally say, God crucify my flesh because it is literally wants and is drawn because it starts within us, the sin draw to go into those spaces of the other kingdom. And we've been talking so much about the other kingdom. And I know we're a little bit fired up because we came from a conference that was talking all about the kingdom. And we're like, yes, we feel that there's only two kingdoms and one you agree with. And when you make agreement, you can't play in the middle. It literally is black and white. That's what it is. So anyway, I feel like this is exactly what God is saying. It's like, it's a heart posture. And if you're coming somewhere and God is, there is legitimate, legitimate change that you feel I can see this being more effective or I have some feedback to support, but it's coming from a place where it's like God's kind of worked in that heart space. That's, we're not talking about that, of giving feedback. We're not talking. And I think sometimes things can get really misconstrued. Like if I bring up my emotions, I should always be positive. No, we're not talking about that. Sometimes you just need to talk about what you're saying, that space in the heart. However, even with bringing feedback or bringing some effective change, we've got to be able to do that. But we've got to look at our heart and say, God, is there something in me? that is wanting to control what pride deal with me now that as I share this, may it come through filter that you're helping me. And I'm going to do it imperfectly. Listen, we're going to say, we're going to do this imperfectly. We have to recognize that a critical spirit is a posture of heart. It's not in what we do. It, it manifests in what we do, but we can also look the same. We've talked about that before too. We can look like we're doing everything right in the outside, but our hearts are far from it. You want to take talks about, we can give all the lip service to God, but our hearts are far from him. And that's what Jesus was addressing with the Pharisees. We can say all the right things or pretty things up, but our hearts are far from a place of being refined and burned by the spirit of God, that we can do it from a place of, okay, this is just my thoughts, but I know it's not I'm really bringing this, surrendering it to God. So I think this is what we're talking about because it can get really fuzzy and it can sometimes be like, you need to be honest, but you've got to check your heart. We have to check our hearts are wicked. Our spirit actually let the spirit of God go through our heart because our heart is wicked. We got to let the spirit refine that. So, yeah, yeah, it's so true. I think that sometimes people who are verbal processors. So if you're like a little bit more of the kind of person that, you know, you process your life verbally and you like you know, you, you express your emotions and you express your, like you can there, you can kind of get a bad rap sometimes that you are a complainer, more of a complainer, more of a, and you know, I, I'm not a verbal processor personally. Like I process very internally. And then I would also say that, like, I probably would describe myself as not being like a complainer type of person, but even as I say this, so even as I like kind of paint the picture of these two different types of people, because all different types of people are listening to this podcast, like that does not mean that just because I'm not a verbal processor and just because I actually don't verbalize maybe my complaints that I can't have a critical spirit in my heart. Totally, Laura. And that's, I think what you're, what you're pulling at here too is like, but also if you're a verbal processor and you really need to process your emotions, like externally, that also doesn't necessarily mean that you have a critical spirit. Mm-hmm. You ought to have ways that you can get that out and that you can process that, um, with the Lord and with the Holy spirit. But, but 
again, I think we do have to check our hearts and I think we do have to be um, honest before the Lord at where we're not trusting God because complaining and criticism is always tied to an inability to trust God for an outcome, trust God for what it is that we're believing for, hoping for, desiring, praying for. So good. Like it's, it's so good. And when we're in the middle of that space, like, are we, are we inviting a critical spirit? Now I want to talk about how it feels to, uh, connect to what's the word I'm trying to think of when we partner with a critical spirit, how it feels. It feels amazing. Mm. It feels amazing. It's like this enticing invitation to partner with something that makes us feel gratified, that makes us feel justified, that actually puffs us up a little bit, especially if we can find a cohort of people who think like us and can actually begin to fan the criticism. So like, let's play this out in like a church context. For example, we're a part of a church, we're a part of a church body. It's really, really easy if you have a critical spirit or a tendency towards a critical spirit to find other like-minded people to complain about what you think the church should be doing, what you think the pastor should be preaching on, what you think, you know, how things should be run, what you think, you know, this particular ministry should have, what you think the ministry is lacking. Like it's really easy to find people to kind of come and fan and it feels it's actually very hard to discern because it feels so good. And then we can even tell ourselves, no, this is self-righteous. This is righteous anger. This is righteous anger rather than actually calling what it is self-righteous, self-righteousness, which Jesus confronted again and again and again. And honestly, I, I love this too. And I think this was part of the challenge of this past weekend you know, of these two kingdoms that we're a part of, the reality is nothing is going to be accomplished through your complaining. Nothing's going to be accomplished through your criticism. In fact, you're just partnering with the wrong kingdom. But if we could actually enter into the kingdom of God and begin to do warfare in that space, begin to pray, we're, we're allowing God to bring a fresh perspective or the provision, the very provision that we're praying for. But the critical spirit is literally just an enticing spirit designed to rob us of what God has prepared for us and planned for us to walk in the fullness of it's not that maybe what you're seeing is wrong, but if you are entering into a critical spirit with what you're sensing and what you're feeling and what you're seeing, if you are allowing a critical spirit, it's wrong every single time. You are never going to see the kingdom work that needs to be done through what God is showing you. So um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's huge. Lord, that is so profound how you just unpack that. And that's exactly what happens. And, you know, we have mentioned this before, and I think this is so powerful. It's a beautiful reminder because as we podcast this, the Holy Spirit's doing this in our lives. Like we're not, we're not teaching from a place like everyone listening. We're thinking, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm listening. Like, where is this rooting in? Because every spirit that we're led, this kind of critical spirit has companions. So we open ourselves up to a critical spirit. Guess what? It's bringing its gang and it's going to move you very quickly into a company of bitterness, resentfulness, you name it. 
they're all coming. Like they're coming, they're, they're lock and loaded. They're opening your house and they're bringing all their stuff and they're sleeping over for a long time. And that is exactly, we talk about freedom ministry. That's why the Lord, the Holy spirit is so gracious to be with us. We've not been orphaned because the Holy spirit convicts us and shows us, but that's why I think all of us working, being in community together, being in the word, and also having the Holy spirit and having people in your life that you're around, that you recognize. And I, I think this is a beautiful reminder of that can call, can speak to your life to say, Hey, listen, like, can I just, just share something in your life? Like really sharpening one another because we have to also, I have blind spots. I yeah. may be so caught in something that I've been so hurt. And then I just don't even see what's happening. But if I'm isolated, if I'm not in community and listen, it's hard, it's hard to be in community sometimes. <laughs> and we can get really actually not sometimes often because we can get hurt. We do things imperfectly, but if we recognize that if we're by ourselves, if we are isolated, you cannot always see what you cannot see. There's blind spots and that critical spirit. Like I can speak candidly how many times you have said, you know, let's, I want to come back and just circle back around. I think we need to talk about this in a different way. And you're like, you're right, Lord, you're right. That that's, I'm actually entering into that. And I want no part of that, but I don't even recognize it sometimes. And that's a beautiful thing. We need to really ask God to surround us with friends and people, groups, ways that we can sharpen, but also we've got to take responsibility of that. And if we're not in the word, we're not in communion with the Holy spirit. We're not inviting that into our spirit. We are literally very vulnerable to that. And so God has given us everything we need. Honestly, we don't have to be afraid. God has given us what we need, but we have to be ruthless in that to recognize like we are constantly fighting the opposite way, like the salmon going up current. Like this is that, like you said, it feels easy. It wants to pull us down that way. We have to continually contend to move in the opposite spirit. It's a contention. If we don't feel it, we won't want it. We often have to choose it. And God brings like we, after we choose and choose, we recognize it and we want it more and more. It's kind of like we've talked about, we feed ourselves with good food versus we've always been on rotten food. You crave that God will, our spirits will crave it, but we will always struggle to do the right thing because it is a decision. It's obedience. And it is not what our flesh wants. So we even have that war within us. Never mind the war of the king. It's in us. It's not out here. It's in us. Flesh, spirit, flesh, spirit. Do I choose to feed my flesh? Do I choose crucify my flesh? I choose to feed my spirit. And even Paul said, who can rescue me from this body of death? Because even him, there's this struggle. I do what I don't want to do. The things I want to do, I don't do. Even Paul, how we read, it is literally what we have to work through. And that is the beauty of sanctification. And that is done through the washing of the word, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the choosing of our spirit to say yes. I am going to partner with this exchange and I'm going to be a part of that. And we got to choose it because it's not just going to be through feeling. It's not just going to happen because we go to church or because we're in this environment. No, we have to literally lay hold of it and own it and take responsibility ourselves fully. And so, you know, that's, that's like my little ramble there, but that's, I think what the Lord is really saying, like he's given us all the provision, but we have to choose that. I can't choose that for my kids. I can't choose that for you, Lori. I can't choose. I have to choose that for myself. And I got to own that. I got to own what's happening to my spirit. So no matter what happens out here, I have to own what's going on in here. I have to own that. I can't change all of these things. 
but I've got to really take responsibility of what's happening in that spirit space in my own heart. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That, that is so true, but honestly, that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. That is so hard to do because when we are like stuck in a certain mindset or we're stuck seeing something from one perspective, a certain perspective, a a perspective that validates our own feelings that validates our own. And, and honestly, like the hardest part I think of this is that sometimes even in those spaces, like some of what we are seeing or frustrated about, it's true. Like it's not, it might not be wrong. Like it might not necessarily be wrong, but Every time we partner with a critical spirit in that space, then that's the, that's what you're saying. Like there's an ownership for the sin that's taking place in our own heart. That's actually contributing to this dynamic. That's frustrating you in the first place. So like, I'm going to give it a practical example of this, of how I've seen this play out in my own life. Like I've gone through seasons in my marriage where like I, for whatever reason, I, I can only see what Jason is not doing. Like, mm-hmm. I need you to be more helpful around the house. I need you to, you know, see this. I need you to be more, you know, whatever, all, it doesn't matter what I want you to pray with me more. I want you to do, you know, and, and so, and so all the list comes and it's not even that necessarily the things I'm seeing are inaccurate or wrong. They might be right. They might be, yes, maybe these things could help to bring us closer together, to make our family life work together. So it's not like we have to get out of the realm of right or wrong. Like I'm right. I'm justified in what I see and what I feel. But if my mindset changes and all I can see is what he's not doing, and then everything he does actually reinforces this, these feelings, this perspective that I have on what he is or isn't doing, um, then honestly, he is set up to fail a hundred percent of the time. Mm. And so like, whenever I get into that space and this happens, like this happens in different seasons of my life. Maybe I'm like carrying a lot of extra stress in a season. Maybe I just am feeling so overwhelmed or I'm feeling alone or I'm feeling like I'm having to do everything. And I'm just having all of these, these feelings about it. And instead of actually taking ownership of the feelings, like you're challenging us to do Rhonda, instead of actually just owning what's going on in my own heart space, I start looking outside myself and I start blaming, this is why this is happening. If you weren't doing this, I would feel better. And I start seeing and blaming and blaming and blaming behavior gets to be reinforced by what I am choosing to see. And so then the question is, what do we do then? So what do we do when we get in that place? Because the reality is all of those things are true. You're not well, in this case, maybe he is not doing it enough in the house and maybe I am feeling alone. Those are true things. What do I do with that? Now, again, like you're saying, we can have honest conversations in a loving way, like in a, not in an accusatory way, not in a way of like, if you do more in the house, that's going to fix my aloneness. No, it's not. This is an, this is a heart issue that I have to address with the Lord and with people that are close to me that I love. I have to take ownership of that. But honestly and truly, we do not have power to change anyone else. And so I pray that you would hear this no matter what is going on in your life. 
okay? Whether it's frustrations in your marriage, whether it's frustrations with your kids, whether it's frustrations in your church, whether it's frustrations with your government, whether it's frustrations with your city, whatever it is around you that you see as wrong, you have to recognize you have no power to change anybody else except yourself. So this ownership space is so important and so empowering in walking out the kingdom of God in our lives. So what do we do? What do we do with these frustrations? We pray. And we're like, oh, of course, you know, pray. We pray. No, that's exactly what we do with them. We take them to prayer. We take them to intercession. Okay. We take them to into the kingdom of God, into the spiritual realm. And we begin to break things that are not supposed to be there. And we pray because that is where the war and the battle and all of that is going to be won. We have to go to prayer with these things. And every single time that I have gotten frustrated in my marriage and every single time that I have gotten fixated on what Jason's not doing, when I go to prayer, when I take it to prayer, when I commit it to prayer and I choose to pray on this, Every single day, the same thing happens every single time I change. My perspective changes. I see something I didn't see before. Usually he doesn't miraculously change or change in a massive way, but I change and everything changes. It changes completely. And so, and I think we can take that principle into where ever our frustrations lie, but we've got to lay down our rights. We've got to lay down. I'm right. I'm right in this. That's actually not relevant. That's actually not relevant. There's a real kingdom and a real enemy that's literally trying to bait you into an offense, into bitterness, into resentment, into a critical spirit. And you're taking the bait. You're literally taking the bait. So we have to take ownership of that. And we have to be able to walk that out. And we have actually have to come in repentance and say, wow, like I have had a critical focus. I have allowed a critical spirit to skew what I see so that all I see is what's wrong. All I see is what's not being done. And this can rob our eternal inheritance. Can you dive into a little bit about this, Rhonda? Because I know it's like, I know this is like a big, like you are passionate about this, about our inheritance, about what God has given us. Because again, we've seen with the, with the children of Israel, God had a promise for them. And their grumbling and their complaining robbed them, their critical spirit robbed them of that promise. An entire generation did not get to walk in the promise. And that's a big consequence. Oh my gosh. Like, I don't want to be robbed of my inheritance. I don't want to miss out on the provision that God has for me and what he has for me to step into. But this critical spirit will rob every single time. It absolutely will. And, you know, it's funny because we just, I was at a gathering and at this gathering, it was a moment in the gathering where, and this is just saying from an outside, what kind of I experienced, and it just reinforced the passion of this. And, but I just want to put a little pin on this. I love that Pastor Angelo says that I'll put a pin on that. I was going to say, Lori, that was brilliant. What you just shared. I absolutely agree with that. And this is with our critical spirit. I love when you said how what do we do with it? And I just, if I could just circle for one second. Yeah, and yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Cause I just love what you were just sharing there. Yeah, like yeah, go for prayer and like, literally we, we can choose a narrative, but I love, and this is actually my husband's favorite scripture, but Philippians four, four to nine. And you think like we've got prayer and then God gives us a practical. Yes. Prayer is the first thing we do. 
There's a practical response to a critical spirit. It's the opposite, thanksgiving. And I think that's why all through the Psalms and all through the Bible, see, remember, even Jesus with communion said, remember, because it brings us back to the remembrance that all we have and all that we are has come from God. Like, it is a gift that we have breath today. It's a gift, his mercy. We are showered with grace. And that's the only reason why we're all alive. Otherwise, we'd all be burned up in this whole earth. The grace and the love of God, we drink from an abundant, unending fountain. Because every day we wake up, it's there. And we just, God is saying, remember, remember. And even in this Philippians 4, 4 to 9, it says, always be full of joy in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. So rejoice. Joy is a big part. Choosing joy. We're not choosing just happiness. We're choosing to say the joy of my salvation, like where it's not joy that's fleeting. It's not based on materialism or a perfect circumstance. It's joy. And then it goes on to say this, don't do be anxious about nothing, but in everything with prayer, what you are saying, present your request to God, but it says this, but pray, but, and tell you what, okay, sorry, I'm going to do it from this. I'm doing it from memory, but I'm going to do it from my rendition of the Bible in front of me. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. So the thing, the opposite of a critical spirit of grumbling, yes, yes. Is Thanksgiving. Yes. For what he has done of what, what you have right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So if you are in a, a place where you're just like, I am so stuck, you need to start writing out every single thing you're thankful for, what Jesus, ha- God has done in your life and what he is doing right now to start. And actually something starts, joy comes from that. It just is a byproduct because once again, the companionship, like when we think of the fruits of the spirit, when we start to choose all of this starts to come in all the provision, just like the critical spirit, lots come in with that. When we choose the kingdom, all of those provisions, and I love that Thanksgiving and all of a sudden what he has done, joy fills our heart. And we're able to see with fresh eyes, what God is doing because of what he has done. And we can have hope and faith and trust today that God is going to take care of business. He's got it. And also if you are just stuck, like if there's, you're just really stuck, you need to repent and confess. Well, we do that anyway, but confess and repent. And you may need some freedom ministry. There might be literally a stronghold of a critical spirit that has come in that has taken residence in your spirit that you need to boot out. And so I just want to say there's different progressions, but we can, uh, it can get to the point where there is literally a stronghold that no matter what we do, we just keep banging up against this critical spirit and we just can't let go. You may need some freedom, freedom ministry. So I just wanted to say that as a practical, like if you're stuck, start to write, confess, find a friend, confess it. There is something about just confessing with the Lord, but when you pull someone in you're like, listen, I need to repent of something. It's hard. It's It's hard. It breaks something to say, I have had a critical spirit and I need to repent. And if you're that friend listening to it, don't be like, oh, it's okay. No, say, okay, sin is sin. And we're going to break that because we got to be ruthless. We can't just be like, oh, it's okay. It's not that bad. That was no, that's exactly what happens. No. Yes. That's ruthless. And we're taking care of business. That thing is going to lead you. Totally. I know you you wouldn't say to your friend. Um, it's okay. It's just a poisonous snake. You can play with it. You no. can play in the cage with the poisonous snake. Don't baby. worry. 
it'll be fine. It'll be fine. You would never say that. You'd be like, get, get the heck out of there. What are you doing? You'd be like, that's exactly, that's exactly how we need to be with sin because sin actually is a poisonous snake that actually wants to infect us. So don't play with it. Don't play with no. it. <laughs> no, get rid of it. Don't make light of it. Get rid of it. So anyway, that was my little like, so with that, okay, I'm going to go back over inheritance because this is exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. God has a kingdom. God's kingdom has yeah. like, is amazing, but he has a specific, specific destiny, a specific call, a specific in- significance to your life in the big movement of the body of Christ. So I was at this um, this gathering. And I happened to be a bit more talking about Canada and the national church and just what we're mm-hmm. sensing and feeling. And it, there was a moment where um, there was a call out, like, what are some of the things in a negative way of of Canada or the church, like what we're sensing and, and feeling. And I'm telling you, it was like an eruption of all of these words of really truthful, like they're very true. Like a lot of the things they were saying, critical spirit, like all the things, lethargy, sleepiness, you know, lying, not truthful, like all of the independence, self-preservation, pride, you name it, all these things were coming up. Okay. And, but the thing that was struck me is as I'm listening to all of this, there was this joy. I know it sounds really strange, but this, I don't want to say joy, reveling in people getting excited. Like they were shouting it out. They were clapping. They were amening like, yes, that's it. Yes. And they were getting so into it. And then it went to what are like the other, I was thinking nothing really was positive, like but attributes but of God, attributes. What, you know, what are the attributes of God within the Canadian culture? Yeah. Crickets. Like it was like, like nothing, but this one, there was this reveling and I actually started to get so disturbed in my spirit. And I was like, if you are reveling in the pain and the negative, you actually are taking bait to the very thing that you are shouting out to. Like it actually is taking residence there. And I was thinking we should be on our knees, repenting and asking the Lord, because those things you're calling out are the very opposite of the inheritance for the church in the city. So everything you're recognizing is not to revel in and not to be like, yeah, totally. That's exactly what I see. And to get on board and to somehow feel this, once again, this empowerment to call out that what needs to be fixed and corrected, rather this, this heart to say, oh God, this is exactly what we've taken the bait to help us. But thank you for showing us that the enemy has played his hand. Because the opposite is the inheritance of the church of this land. That's the opposite. So if there is lying because no one tells the truth, they're afraid to offend, but they're, they're liar. They're, they lie. Then God has made us truth tellers. God has helped us to see truth, to be teachers of truth, to be able to bring truth, the gospel. May God just show. So I just want to say there was something that it made me so upset. because I was like, do you not see? that this is the robbing of an inheritance and you are participating in the robbing of the inheritance by speaking out, not with, and it's not that those aren't true. Oh my goodness. We need to call out what we're seeing in the spirit realm. We're talking about in the spirit realm in that way, but not from a place of like from the heart. It, once again, I could see it. It was coming from, no, it wasn't the words that were being said. It was the way things are being said and the posture of heart, like 
you're literally aligning to take down this country by the words you're saying, like, we're going to take it down. Well, what kingdom is that? Wow. What is that? So I want to say like, for me, it was, I actually was so upset and it took me a while, even in that meeting to just enter back in. Cause I was like, this is the robbing of the inheritance, but this is how God shows us. But the enemy shows us with his hand is because God has, he does a counter opposite. So even in your life, we've talked about your name inheritance. If you look at what your name is, you can trace the opposite of how the enemy has tried to rob you from the significance of what God has called you to be. It's just that specific, but even in the grander scheme of even our nation, the church in our nation, this is where the enemy has shown his hand, but we cannot be participants. We call out those spirit, but we have to grieve over that and say, God, give us your heart. We repent. And we now speak these words, the opposite of those things, and we decree it, and we will take ownership of that. So that participation, I have to repent of that. That's in me. And I have to repent of that. But then I've got to take ownership of what am I doing to actually actively activate that inheritance in where I've been placed. You, We all have different, where God's places, different influence, capacity. it doesn't matter. It's about stewardship and obedience. So how am I actively now participating in activating that inheritance in what God has called me to do? If you're in government, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're working at a church, if you're working at a school, how has God asked you to activate the inheritance of your own life, but even the grander of the church at general, if we all took ownership and did our part of literally owning the sin and activating the inheritance, where would we be as a church in Canada? And that is what I think God is saying. We should never revel, never the grieving of God for that reveling in our own lives. And it's easy to do, but I just want to say that to me was like such a wake up call. It was literally like, I could feel in my spirit, like a, like a defibrillator, like, Oh, and I was mad. Like I was this right. Like this feeling of like, this, this is not, this is not the kingdom of God that we're participating in here. So we're part of tearing down, yes, tearing yes, down the kingdom, yes, but don't tear yes, down. Yeah. Yeah. So a group of Christians, a group of people who are called, who are yes. called to bring the light to our country. Yeah. Yes. That, you know what, honestly, like I'm sitting here listening to this, letting this just go into my spirit and having an awakening moment. This is the awakening moment. I think of awakening moments and Rana, I think our country needs this message. Like our country needs this message. It's so, so powerful. What God is just stirring up here. Let's bring this right to the practical side of just the reality of our nation, the reality of the state of our nation right now, because like we've come through a pandemic season. We've come through so much. We've actually come through so much. Um, Lots and lots of divisive issues that have come into culture that have like, they're changing, they're, they're changing the culture. Um, You know, we grew up in the eighties and nineties, like life was not like the way it is now. It just, it just wasn't, it it just wasn't. And, and I don't say that as a comparison to like, let's go back to that. I really, really am not. Um, I believe that God brings us through all these seasons because of part of what he's working out in us. And, and you know what, all of this probably existed, but it was under the surface. And now all of this division is rising up and all, and what is the inheritance of Canada? What does everyone say about Canada? What does everyone say about our nation? We are a peacekeeping nation. We like, that's like our call to the nations 
is around peace. So is it no wonder why our nation is so divided? I mean, it's not good enough that we have conservatives and liberals in, in our politics side. We've now got, tr- so we've got conservative, now we have true blue and people's party. So it's not, it's not far enough that we've got blue and red. Now we have more blue and more blue. <laughs> Like, like we're dividing even within the divisions. Like it's not like it's, it's insane. Like it's actually crazy when you start to think about it. And, and I know you and I experienced this. I know that people who are listening to this experience this on varying degrees, but there's not a day that goes by where we are not invited into a conversation to criticize our government, to criticize our nation, to criticize even the church, the church and the divisions within the church. Like it's, it's everywhere, every day, all the time you put the radio on, it's there. You put the news on, it's there. It's literally a constant baiting and a constant invitation. And actually the culture is putting us in a position to choose, choose a side, choose Mm. a side. What side are you on about everything? I see to my kids, my kids, my kids, I have kids that are still teenagers. They're having to choose a side on issues that they actually don't really know anything about, but the culture is forcing them to pick a side because again, you have to be on a side. It is in, it is so deep. It is so divisive. And so like, talk a little bit about, again, what do you believe our call is as Canadians, as we walk through this, this very overt attack from the enemy, right in the middle of our nation, right in the midst of our nation, right in the very culture of our nation, that's trying to steal the inheritance and the call to which we've been called to, to bring to the world. Mm. Laura, honestly, and it's like everything you're saying, I know it's quite, it's quite something when you actually take back and you think, Oh, no wonder this is happening. Like, what if we actually got offended? Okay. Like, can you imagine, can you imagine for a second, if we're being invited into a conversation about complaining about our government, but instead of taking the bait, instead of joining the conversation and complaining, because can we complain about it? Of course we can. Of course, we all think we know better and we all think we would do a better job. And we all think, and our government has done a lot of things wrong. Absolutely. But can you imagine if instead of taking the bait, we just dropped to our knees? We just dropped to our knees right in the midst of the conversation and said, oh God, oh mm-hmm. God, how far we've fallen. And we just dropped to our knees mm-hmm. and entered into the actual only space mm-hmm. where we can't actually make any difference. <laughs> Absolutely. But and our government is not the change maker. No, we're being invited into the opposite kingdom to in criticism. So we're yes. being invited into tearing down the very fabric of uh, our inheritance, our call, we're being invited into that space. And we feel self-righteous in that space. We feel big in that space. We feel justified and so powerful in that space, but it's actually a false power. We're not doing anything. Imagine if we just dropped to our knees and just said, God, God, have mercy, have mm-hmm. mercy on us, have mercy on Canada. Like maybe, maybe something might change <laughs> if we fought the battle in the realm where the battle is like, this is a spiritual, it is a spiritual battle over our nation. So uh, yeah, 
anyways, I'm getting, I'm getting fired up just talking about this because man, I have to be honest, I've participated. I've complained. I've been like, what is going, have we lost our minds? What is happening? Have I got on my knees and wept before the Lord? Not enough, not enough, honestly, not enough. Mm, That is so good. And that's the thing, like as we get on our knees and as we just begin to pray, God will give us the strategy and the way. But the thing is, we each have to play our part. And if God has called you to politics, we, we want like that. If God's called you to the teaching world, the school world, we need to say, okay, God, I can't change all of this. Thank you that you are our hero. Like you're the hero. The next prime minister is not the hero. The party coming into power is not the hero because we are not in a world that is ruled yet. Like Satan has dominion in this world. So we have to look to the ultimate authority of the kingdom we serve and say, God, you have placed us as ambassadors, as salt and light. And the thing is, we want people to come to know Jesus. We want people's hearts to be revived. But that doesn't happen in seasons of great ease. Never, never through history. The church in Acts boomed in the most persecuted time. But yet we want it different. We want it different. Instead of saying, God, we, you see the big picture. You are allowing things to happen the way they're allowing, but we trust you. But show us, download to me my part to play for this big picture of peace, of bringing the gospel, of the commission, and how that uniquely plays out and how you've made me because each of us are a body. And I think it's so beautiful. We've been talking so much about significance and the body. It's not for one person to do. It's all of us taking our place as watchmen on the wall of saying, I am holding my position in God and allowing the Holy Spirit to give me a burden for the church in Canada and what's happening in Canada that I can have influence of where I am. No matter what, don't compare to one another. God has uniquely called you. We need to get a hold of the ownership of what my part is to play and not from a critical place to say, God, yes, are we frustrated? Have some of us paid a great price in some of the decisions that have been made? I am not dismissing that. And I am not saying that you need to just be okay with, oh, well, that's no big deal. No, but you, we have to surrender where our spirits get entrapped in spiritual things instead of saying this is an emotion this is a frustration but god but god and i'm only here for a time this kingdom will not remain my life will not remain here i am here for a time and it's about the commission god show me how you are working this for my good to make a difference not just for me to be comfortable not just for me and i'm saying i'm saying this realizing i am far from that i need the holy spirit to help me to want that and to do that because I want comfort. I want ease. I want it to be about me. I want it to be about building what I want to build instead of God, what are you doing? What are you asking me to do? How do you want to use my life? How do I need to share the gospel? How am I making a difference? How am I allowing your spirit to bring life? How am I speaking life into the hardest valleys of dry bones? How am I doing that? And we need to each take ownership because you've got the big picture But each, the big picture is part of all the little tiny pictures that make that big puzzle. It's not, it's the puzzle. And I feel like God's saying, church, be like, be your peace. Mm -hmm. Life center, be your peace. 
Rhonda, Lori, be your peace. Though each one of you listening, you be that peace within the peace. Like it's like all of us are working together, but we need to own it. We need to own our sin and we need to own our significance in God. And if we do, I'm telling you, that is where the church is going to see a nation, the people of the nation change because it's about, it's about the gospel. It's about the power of this, but it starts in the spirit, but we focus on the natural. Let's fix the natural to fix the spirit. But listen, we are not in a Christian nation. So just get over it already, get over it. Like, but we can be a Christian people bringing as many people to Jesus as possible and a church that is on fire. But that takes each of us of being awoken to that. And like you and I can get really fired up about this. But I think we are looking too much for things, people, to, the government to do it for us or the big church at large. You be the church. This is it. Part You be your body. You be the part body part God's called you to be. And we all need to come to God and say, help us. Because yeah. we actually can't do it and can't see it without you. We need you. And Holy Spirit will be faithful to help us humbly help us grow imperfectly into this, but it is what he's looking for. And I think it's a gift. I know this sounds very strange. Mm -hmm. It's a gift that there's, there's things that are stopping and there's things that are becoming barriers or we're not happy with because it's forcing us to say, okay, God, this isn't not about my kingdom here. It's about your kingdom on earth. I want to be in agreement with that. And my life is about that kingdom. I'm just dropped in for a time and my life, it's going to be gone. And all of this will not remain, but that your kingdom will. And so help us to be your kingdom on earth as a church, help us, but help me. I got to play my part. I got to own that, own your sin and own your significance. I think that's part of the inheritance where we're moving. (laughs) But you just bottom lined it. You just like literally bottom line, own your sin, own your significance. (laughs) I love that. Mic drop, walk away. That's Uh So no, honestly, this is really powerful. As you were talking, I had this like picture in my mind, just of people, like the people of God stepping out of the kingdom of darkness, stepping out of the realm of the kingdom of darkness, where they're trying to fight with a spirit of criticism and stepping into the kingdom of God and beginning to fight with their armor, beginning to fight with the provisions that God has already made for them, beginning to fight with the authority that Jesus has already brought to them and being able to actually see transformation come to our nation, because that's what all of, at at the bottom of all of it, even at the bottom of the critical spirit, we want transformation. It's, it's like, it's like, it doesn't, come from a bad place it actually comes from a desire for change it comes from a desire for for oneness it comes for a desire to be better uh, for a desire for the church to arise to the fullness of our calling you know if when when we get critical in our marriages it's a desire for intimacy it's a desire for the things that we want so it doesn't come from a bad place but that's what makes it hard to recognize that it actually is another kingdom that we're trying to fight in when we have to step back into the kingdom of God. So I just absolutely love it. And like, this brings us just kind of full circle from where we started is in order to become disciplined disciples of Jesus, we have to actually step into a place of discipline in order not to enter into the gratification of criticism, the gratification of complaining, the gratification of grumbling. We've actually got to exercise discipline, not to do that, to do exactly what that scripture said. Instead, choose 
Thanksgiving. Instead, pray about everything. God's told us exactly what we need to do when we are feeling like things are not as they should be. Step into Thanksgiving and step into prayer. And that will keep our feet planted in the kingdom of God as we fight it's a real battle. There is a real battle going on. Things are not as they should be. Jesus is making all things new. He's, they're not all new yet. He's making all things new, working towards an eternal purpose. But we have to exercise discipline not to step over into the kingdom of darkness to try to actually make ground. We're not going to make any ground. And in fact, we're being robbed of all that God has already provided for us. So let's all collectively step back into the kingdom, fight in that realm with thanksgiving and prayer, and let's see Jesus do what he desires to do in our nation, in our city, in our churches, in our lives, all the way down. It's, it's like big and it's small. It's across our entire nation and individual. And I love how you said, be your peace. Be your peace, P-E-I-C-E, be your P-E-A-C-E too. Be oh, your that's good. Yeah. That's so true. And walk it. Like wow. every single one of us are called to a ministry of reconciliation. That's part of our call into this kingdom. Mm. And this is part of our inheritance as a nation. So if you're being robbed, get on your knees, repent, get free, and step back into the kingdom of God and begin to fight in that realm from discipline, exercise discipline to do it. It's not going to be easy. And the invitations are everywhere Mm. constantly. I feel it deep in my spirit. I feel it deep in my spirit. I need a burden for my nation. I need a burden for my city. I need a burden for my church, even deeper than what is there now. Because again, sometimes I forget, sometimes I forget and I take the bait and I want any form of grumbling and complaining to bring me to my knees, to bring me to my knees, to say, God, have mercy, God, Mm. have mercy on us Mm. and your kingdom come, your Mm. kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Ultimately, that's our overarching prayer. Woo! Well, Lori, I think you just closed it there. (laughs) I love it. Amen. Amen. Wow. I feel the conviction. I repent. I don't want any alignment with any Yes. any spirit of darkness and yes. i want to just keep stock quick quick thank you, jesus spirit thank you for helping us thank yes. you for convicting us thank you for the yes. gift of yes. conviction, the gift of discipline that you convict us to just realign us realign us before things take a foothold so right now we realign we ask your holy spirit we welcome that to come and to do a fresh work in our heart to show us those areas that are not of your kingdom of the kingdom of god so holy spirit do that fresh work we repent we need you Thank you for the discipline and the conviction that we can be what you've called us to be. So we choose your kingdom and we choose to be reconcilers of peace because that is the exact gift you have given us. We have no hope without the reconciliation you have brought to our lives through Jesus Christ. So we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We receive it. Have an amazing day. Thank you for spending some time with us today and we will see you soon. Bye.